It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And hello again, MD Nation. As always, this is your host, Dan Mater. And we are bringing you the recap for week four, all the Sunday afternoon games. I hope everybody had a successful week four as we go through and recap this, analyze all the information that you need to be able to take with you heading into your week five matchups as we get week four down to a close. Of course, tomorrow's episode is the one we'll have the Sunday night and the Monday night recaps along with the waiver wire report. And of course, tomorrow night, we'll be back on Sportscaster with the Waiver Wire Report on video, so you can go ahead and check that out there too. As it's been a great platform, a lot of you guys have been checking me out on there, and I really greatly appreciate it. Able to talk about you guys a little bit more and have a different avenue in which I can get you the information and maybe a little you know, fast stream if you don't want to listen to the entire podcast. But I hope that you do. Put a lot of work into these shows. Put a lot of information into these shows. A lot of things in here are going to help you. Week four was a little bit of a weird week in a lot of different ways, and we're going to talk about all of that, of course, with injuries that we have to look out for now heading into week five, and we're coming up into our very first bye weeks. Of course, last week, we had the Jets and the 49ers on bye. We're going to have four teams on bye in week five, so there's going to be more and more with the injuries and with the bye weeks that you're going to have to be playing the waiver wire vigilantly and also possibly looking at trades. So whenever you have a question about anything, whether it's a start, sit, or a trade, or anything like that, make sure you're tweeting at me, Facebook messaging me, emailing me, on Twitter, at MDSFFshow, on Facebook, at MDFFshow, and of course, on the website, MDFFshow.com, where not only you can email me directly, but I have all the rankings updated on Thursday afternoons for you guys 
heading into your matchups so you get a good idea of what the expectation from MD's Fantasy Football Show is for each and every player to help out and make your decisions for you for your upcoming fantasy team matchups. That's all here, all for you, a one-stop shop for fantasy football. And we're back here going into week four, or going into week four recap, I should say. And we got a lot we have to discuss, as always. It's always a jam-packed show whenever we have to recap all the Sunday afternoon games. There's a ton. They're going to be less and less as we get to the bye weeks, but there's only two teams missing, so there's only one less game this week than there had been any other week. So we still have a jam-packed show for you guys today with a lot of information. So make sure you listen all the way through because there's not one single thing that you are going going to want to miss. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to hit that break, come back on the other side, and get underway with our 1 o'clock games. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. The first game that we are going to go ahead and recap is one of the more interesting ones from week four, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. A lot of good things to take out of this game and a lot of things that were a little bit on the disappointing side as well. Starting with the Chiefs side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes does not throw a touchdown for the first time in 2019. Does go over 300 yards, though, and did tackle on 54 yards on the ground. So at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes was still got you 18 to 20 points. And this is probably the lowest Patrick Mahomes is going to score for you at any point during the season because I don't know how many games, if any, from here on out, that he doesn't at least throw for one touchdown. This is Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. So we don't have to worry about anything there. But it was just interesting that the Detroit Lions were able to hold him from being able to score in the end zone because mostly the Chiefs ran the ball in. Three touchdowns on the ground, LaShawn McCoy getting one, 11 carries, 56 yards, very efficient, has continued to be efficient for the Chiefs throughout the season. And then Darrell Williams, who got eight carries, but only 13 yards, did come back and get two touchdowns, got two good looks on the red zone there, and that's why he was able to score. And without Damian Williams, this team continues to be able to hold value for two running backs. You have an RB2 and a flex on your hands. It's just a matter of who's starting and who's the backup. But two running backs seem to be the way the Chiefs are going to go that are going to have value at all times. Now, when Damian Williams comes back, I expect that to go back to being LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams instead of Darrell Williams. But... The thing to know here is that it's clear that LaShawn McCoy, no matter who the running back is, he takes a little bit of a backseat when it comes to passing work and is looked at as more of the main runner, even when Damian Williams comes back. So his role is not going to change too much. Because he's on an offense that's in position to score so many points, he has a chance to score a touchdown in any given game, and he has for the past two weeks now. He only tacked on two catches for 33 yards. He did have the same amount of targets as Darrell Williams for four, but that's not going to be quite his game. And that was interesting to see what would happen in this one because LaShawn McCoy practiced in full. We knew he was going to get the start. So I was curious to see would Andy Reid go with a one-back look or would he keep on with his platoon system? And he did. So that's something to keep in mind. When Damian Williams comes back, he should get his passing job at the very least back. I do think LaShawn McCoy may be the quote-unquote starter from here on out, though, because I do think he's going to be the main runner. But I do think it's going to be more of a 50-50 share between him and Damian Williams. Darrell Williams here on top of his carries, he was able to tackle on three catches, 43 yards on four targets. He's looked very good in the time that he's had. 
He's a little bit of a bigger back, but he's a great pass protector, so they like having him in there on passing downs. Just like that final drive, the biggest reason why he got the touchdown there is because they went no huddle, and they had Darrell Williams in there because they like his pass blocking ability. And then he happened to be in there when they went, you know, two-yard line, they handed off the ball, and he scored. That was circumstantial. But just something to keep in mind moving forward. LaShawn McCoy is going to continue to have very high-end flex appeal and low-end RB2 status on a week-in, week-out basis with this offense. Now, what was disappointing about this? Sammy Watkins. Outside of the very first week where he went off, and that was the week that Tyreek Hill was actually in the game, Sammy Watkins really hasn't done much. In fact, he's only been around 50 to 60 yards each of the last three matchups and has been out of the end zone. And in this one, he was only third on the target list, where he had been leading in targets leading up to this point. Now look, this is a, this is a great offense with Sammy Watkins and, and with Patrick Mahomes, so I do expect Watkins to live up to the value that he should be providing you. He is a very good wide receiver, he is healthy, and as long as Tyree continues to be out, he should be the number one guy. But because Patrick Mahomes is so good, and because they have such explosive weapons all over the field, and they have guys like Travis Kelsey and the running backs they can go to... Unless Sammy Watkins has a plus matchup, he's always going to be the guy who maybe they don't look to as much or doesn't get as big of a play because the other guys are running rampant on the secondary and third corners. Now, in this game, it was especially disappointing because Darius Slade did not play. So you expected Sammy Watkins to get that favorable matchup in this week, and it didn't really wind up being the case. Or I should say, he didn't wind up producing as such. Watkins is somebody who I'm going to continue to play. And even when Tyreek Hill comes back, frankly, I think Watkins may actually be in a situation kind of like Tyler Boyd last year, where, believe it or not, he would actually produce better with A.J. Green on the field. I think the same thing might be true for Watkins, where he might produce better as that second receiver on that second corner, getting that mismatch on a more consistent basis when Tyreek Hill's back. So Sammy Watkins, to me, is somebody who's going to stay in my starting lineups, but instead of looking at him as a upside wide receiver one play, which... He always is because it only takes one play. We have to look and play him and expect more of a low-end wide receiver two type of games, knowing that he does have the upside potential on top of that. But he's somebody who's going to be my starting lineup still moving forward, even though the last few weeks have been a little bit disappointing. Travis Kelsey here continues to be solid week in and week out. Seven catches, 85 yards on eight targets in this one. Doesn't find the end zone. That's kind of been the... That's kind of has been the distinction with Travis Kelsey throughout this season so far is that the games he's able to score, he puts up those elite tight end one numbers that are borderline wide receiver one numbers. If he doesn't get to score, then he's more of a just, you know, he's elite tight end. And if you play in leagues where you don't really have tight ends, he's more of a high end wide receiver two with a high floor. And that's kind of what he's been throughout so far this season. But he's been consistently involved every single week, never giving you a dud of a game, which is why he's so good, why he's such an elite tight end. And you continue to play him as such. Demarcus Robinson in this one, Mecole Harbin, were not nearly as involved. Now, Demarcus Robinson actually did lead the way with targets in this one with nine, but only four catches for 35 yards. Mecole Harmon only had two catches for nine yards on five targets. These are guys that I've been telling you all season long are hit or miss prospects. These are guys that you're hoping they catch the bomb touchdown because if they don't, they play a defense that's able to contain the offense in a sense where they have to do more drives instead of big plays. They're not going to do as well because they're very dependent on that big play. Now, there's going to be plenty of matchups where you can look at it and say, there's a very good chance the Kansas City Chiefs get a big play in this game. And you can play one of them, and I'm always going to lean towards Demarcus Robinson as the guy who I'm going to play more so than anybody else. But it's something to keep in mind. 
You're going to need the big player. It's going to be a bust. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, Matthew Stafford was good in this game. Wasn't great. Was definitely hindered by that hip injury. And you could tell whenever he tried to scramble or move around the pocket that he wasn't 100%. But still threw for 291 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions. And it was his play that kept him in it at the end. They even had a game-winning drive that put that or not not game-winning drive obviously, but a drive at the end of the game that gave them the lead. Stafford was good throughout this game. He's looked good throughout this entire season, and this was a good matchup. One of my top streaming quarterbacks, and he didn't disappoint. Carryon Johnson had 26 carries in this game, 28 touches in all, because he had two receptions. But the big thing here, of course, the story is going to be that Carryon Johnson fumbled not once but twice in the red zone, once costing them big time. That would have put them up earlier in the game. Now, they went right back to carry on Johnson after that. And this was late in the second half. So he wasn't in the doghouse right away. However, I was watching this game. And there was no indication that Carrion got banged up. On that last drive, when the Lions took the lead, Carrion Johnson did not come in. It was Ty Johnson and it was J.D. McKissick. I don't know if that was a result of putting him in the doghouse or the fact that he already had 28 touches and they were just happened to want to give him a break and thought maybe he was a little bit tired at the end of the game. I don't know what the case is. What we do know is that Detroit Lions go on a bye. And being that Carrion Johnson had 28 touches, that's a great sign for the future. And he was good. 125 yards on the ground, 32 yards receiving. So over 150 yards for the day. Other than those two fumbles, Carrion played really well. This is what you wanted to see out of him. They're willing. They made a statement last week when they gave him 20 carries, and this week they are willing to give him and the ball and let him be the workhorse ever since they cut C.J. Anderson, which is what my hope was, and that has come to fruition. However, if he continues the fumble, you may see some changes. You may see Paul Perkins suddenly get activated one game and to handle those duties. We don't want to see that happen. Now, because they have the bye week, maybe he has a couple weeks of practice. He's able to get back in their good graces, and maybe he'll be on thin ice but still get another opportunity to show that he can handle the ball and not give it up. So hopefully they stick with him here because this is the type of volume you want to see out of a playmaker like Carrion Johnson. And if they keep rolling out with J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson, technically carry on Johnson still the best option they have at the goal line because neither one of those guys are guys who can really come in and punch it in. So things are still in carry on Johnson's favor. It was still a good game at the end of the day. Definitely concerned that he fumbled twice in the end zone, but I think having the bye week next week actually helps. I think it might help them get back in good graces and we can look move forward, carry on being a workhorse. Cause that's what he's been the last two weeks since they've cut uh, CJ Anderson, but we're not going to know and see that again until week six. As far as the receivers go, Kenny Galladay scored twice in this game after being shut out disappointingly against the Eagles. He comes in five catches for 67 yards, two touchdowns on nine targets. We'd like to see him get a little more yardage, but he got it where it mattered, which was in the end zone. Marvin Jones here at three catches for 77 yards and five targets continues to be a good complimentary wide receiver. To me, he's still nothing more than a flex play who can have some upside because he has the ability to get a big play. He has the ability to score in the red zone because he is a red zone threat. But at the end of the day, he's just a flex player, more of a wide receiver four. And that continues to be the case. TJ Hawkinson got banged up in this game, had to come out. We'll have to see exactly what's going on with him. Uh, He was knocked out early on, did catch a touchdown in this game. Looked like he was going to be primed for a pretty big game in his own right because he had three catches and 27 yards and a touch on three targets. That was all in the first half until he got knocked out. Of course, we'll have updates for you on Twitter at MDSFFshow all throughout the week to make sure you know exactly what to do with TJ Hawkinson moving forward. I do think he's somebody you 
you don't want to, you're not going to want to drop right away. See what's going on with him first because even though he's a rookie tight end, he's still continually put in situations where he has very good opportunities to score given that the offense is playing pretty well. Our next game up is the Patriots and the Bills, and this was a snooze fest, especially for fantasy purposes, unless you had the Patriots defense, because if you had the Patriots defense, you did very well. Once again, they've been the number one defense for fantasy, and once again, they are a defense that I am sure won quite a few people their their matchups this week, because that's how many points they put up with all the turnovers. Josh Allen threw for three picks in this game. They had a blocked they had a block punt for a touchdown. Absolutely ridiculous, the Patriots out of the Patriots defense so far, what they've been able to accomplish. Josh Allen was knocked out of this game with a concussion. It was a pretty bad one. He took a pretty nasty hit. It looked like he might have been actually knocked out cold there for a second. He he will have to go through the concussion protocol in order to be able to play next week. So that's something we'll be keeping you up to date throughout the week as well. Matt Barkley came into this game nine for sixteen, hundred twenty seven yards and a pick. Look. We know what Matt Barkley is. How he even has a job in the NFL still baffles my mind, but he's nothing more than, a, at best, a game-managing quarterback. Frank Gore, Frank Gore will never die. Frank Gore will never die. 17 carries, 109 yards, incredibly efficient. The only thing he didn't do was get in the end zone this week like he had the past two weeks. Now, Devin Singletary was a game day scratch. So he was able to practice on Thursday. He was able to practice on Friday. So I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Singletary came back next week. Now, Frank Gore will still probably be the lead back. However, if any touches get taken away from Frank Gore, I don't know how you would feel comfortable playing him in your fantasy lineups because it could easily go back to being a 60-40 split with Devin Singletary building up momentum to eventually take over the job because that, at the end of the day, is the end game for the Buffalo Bills. Devin Singletary eventually is going to take that starting running back position at some point this season. That's going to happen. Now, Frank Gore playing as well as he is has been a pleasant surprise. And is something that may keep him in the starting role for a little bit while. But if he's going to even have a 60-40 split with Devin Singletary in the meantime, I don't know how you play Frank Gore knowing that he's so dependent on that volume. Because otherwise, who knows what you're going to get out of him from a week-to-week basis. This Buffalo Bills offense in general is so unpredictable in what the production could possibly be. As far as the wide receivers go, Cole Beasley, once again, was the lead target. 12 targets in this one, 7 catches, 75 yards. He's starting to creep up in PPR leagues only as a high-end wide receiver 5, low-end wide receiver 4. Remember, this is still Josh Allen throwing the football, and we don't even know if it's going to be Josh Allen next week. So, you just you have such a low ceiling when it comes to Cole Beasley. All Your ceiling is hoping that he reaches a floor for most players. The only guy on here that I'm even entertaining about owning and continues to stay the same is John Brown. Five catches, 69 yards on 11 targets in this one. He's just that guy that you know at least he has the capability of getting that one big play and taking it to the house, making him fantasy relevant. Outside of that, I'm still staying away from all the Buffalo Bills. For the New England Patriots, this was kind of disappointing. I really thought that the offense would come out and play better. Buffalo Bills defense, I think, did make a statement in this game saying that they are legit because they did slow down and bring the Patriots offense to a halt. And even though the offense of the Buffalo Bills was doing them no favors in this game, they kept them in it all game long as the final score was only 16-10. to 10. Tom Brady wasn't good. 18 of 39, 150 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception in this game. I thought they would come out and try to spread them out and they can dunk their way down the field. That was not the case. They played conservative, ground-and-pound football. 
which led to Sony Michelle getting 17 carries for 63 yards and no touchdowns. Once again, inefficient on the day, but also once again, the by far leading rusher. It wasn't even close. The next closest person was Tom Brady with three carries. So, but here's what you had with Sony Michelle that came the bitch came to bite you in the ass, quite frankly, on on the way up. And that is Brandon Bolton steals the touchdown. And that was that was my thing with James Devon. With James Devon being out, I thought they would give him an opportunity to not get vultured in the red zone nearly as much, which would give him a boost in value that Sony Michelle owners are def- desperately looking for right now because he hasn't been very good, even though the game scripts have been pro Sony Michelle and they just haven't worked out that way as far as production on the field. I thought you'd get a boost because you can expect him, oh, they get in the red zone, is actually going to go to Michelle. Now, what they did, they ran a nice little end around and Brandon Bolden's the one who winds up with the touchdown. Go figure. And that was his only carry of the day. Not something you expect too often, but it does go to show you that the Patriots, when it comes to the running backs, it's just so hard to trust because who knows what they're going to have planned for that particular game. As far as pass catchers go, James White came back after his wife gave birth to her child last weekend, comes back this weekend, eight catches, 57 yards on 10 targets. He continues to be a RB, a low-end RB2 flex play for PPR leagues only. Still not playing him in standard, and even half point, he's still more of a flex if you go full point PPR, he can give you some RB2 upside because he's always going to be involved in the passing game before Rex Burkhead is. Rex Burkhead was not involved in the game that much today. Now, he was a little bit banged up going into this one, but I do think the game plan right away with James White coming back this week was that they were just going to give James White the ball in those passing down situations and weren't going to let Rex Burkhead steal it away from them too much. So something to keep in mind. As they move forward, I do expect Rex Burkhead to get phased out at some point. At the end of the day, it has to get back to being Sonny Michelle and James White's backfield, I think, for this offense to function as well as it can. Josh Gordon had seven targets in this one, three catches, 46 yards. Julian Edelman had seven targets, four catches, 30 yards. Better days are ahead for both of those players. Our next game up here, we have the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. This is one of the surprises of the week. I did not think Cleveland would be able to go into Baltimore and win, and win in the way that they did. They won pretty confidently. Baker Mayfield played much better. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Baker Mayfield, 342 yards, a touchdown interception. A big reason why he played a lot better. Play calling was a little bit better because it took the pressure off of him by running the ball with Nick Chubb. Now, before we get into Nick Chubb's numbers, because obviously he had a huge day, the one piece of analysis, the one note that you need to take with you when you have your players playing against Baltimore Ravens, running backs in particular, if Brandon Williams, the interior defensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens, is not playing, this is a defense that you can run on. And it's been that way for years now. I can go back to two seasons ago when Brandon Williams was knocked out for the large majority of that season and you could run on Baltimore left and right. You hadn't been able to run on Baltimore last year because he was healthy. Hadn't been able to run on Baltimore up until this point because he had been healthy. But he was out of this game with an injury. We'll see if he's able to come back next week. But if Brandon Williams does not play, the Ravens cannot stop the run. So whenever you have a running back, that's something that you really need to key on if they're going up against the Baltimore Ravens that week. If Brandon Williams plays, I would try to see if I have other options unless it's my RB1 and I have to play him. But that is the key when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. As far as Nick Chubb goes, obviously 20 carries, 165 yards, three rushing touchdowns in this game, and then tacked on another 18 yards receiving in this one was great. Freddie Kitchen's play calling was better. Now, 
They still did not mix up the formations as much as I would like to see to make them a little bit less predictable. However, they kept with the game plan of let the offense flow through Nick Chubb to open up the passing game for Baker to be able to take a step back with that offensive line and get some pressure off of them. And that's what they did, and it worked to a T in this one, and that's why they won the game, and that's why these guys all produced. Now, the only disappointing factor was in a game in which Baker Mayfield threw for 342 yards, Odell Beckham only came down with two catches for 20 yards on seven targets in this game. I'm still not panicking on Odell Beckham. I know there's going to be some people out there who want to sell low. Uh, I mean, he's a great buy low candidate, that's for sure, because if I could get Odell Beckham right now, I I'm definitely would. I would definitely pull the trigger on that deal if I can get him for half half the price, for sure. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But if you have him, my advice to you is stand pat. This offense is going to get better. This was a step in the right direction. And and I've said this in the weeks past, you've been listening to the show. Whenever you see signs of a step in the right direction, the production that you are looking for will soon come. And I've been right on that on everybody that I've talked about so far when it, when it pertains to that theme. The production is going to come for Odell Beckham. And it may come as soon as next week out of necessity. Jarvis Landry got knocked out in this game. We'll have to see exactly how severe the injury is going to be with the concussion. He'll be in concussion protocol as well. So we'll have to see if he's able to come back next week or not. It's always a very fickle thing when people are going into concussion protocols. How long they could possibly be out for. So that's something you have to watch very closely. Before he got knocked out in this game, though, he was having a big week. Eight catches, 167 yards on 10 targets. They were finally using him all over the field. They were using him as a true slot receiver. Mixing it up, having him run a full receiver tree, running some more option routes. So there was a lot of things from the play calling all the way on down to the the player production. There's a lot of things moving in the right direction for the Cleveland Browns, which is why I'm not going to pan on Odell Beckham because this offense turns a corner, and which they they may have in this game moving forward, Odell Beckham is going to be a benefactor of that. So that's why I'm not panicking on him. That's why I'm not moving on from him. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. Of course, we have a lot more games we have to get to. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Keeping it rolling right along here, next up we have one of the most 
disappointing games for fantasy. One of the most low-scoring games of the week with the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. The Panthers able to get the surprising win on the road here. But for fantasy purposes, there was a lot to be desired for everyone involved. Unless, unless you're a Christian McCaffrey owner, which as Per usual, no matter how the game script goes, Christian McCaffrey finds a way more times than not to produce. He had 27 carries in this game, 93 rushing yards and a touchdown. And of course, as always, tax on his wonderful production as a receiver, 10 catches for 86 yards on 10 targets in this one. And that was really the fantasy highlight on either side of the football quite frankly Kyle Allen did not have as good of a week this week came back down the earth 232 yards no touchdowns no interceptions was really disappointing because you're playing against the Houston Texans defense especially a secondary that had been giving up a lot of fantasy points as of late to people and are going to be a mismatch for a lot of teams moving forward the other disappointing thing this is the second week in a row Curtis Samuel was Curtis Samuel out targeted DJ Moore. He had seven targets to DJ Moore's five in this one. They were both outperformed by Darius Wright, and everybody was outperformed by Christian McCaffrey. Now, this was a weird, low-scoring game. Nothing really went to plan unless you were Christian McCaffrey. Greg Olson here only had four targets, two catches for five yards. But the thing about DJ Moore is that you depend on his ability, especially in PPR leagues, to catch somewhere between six to eight balls on average. Well, last week was Kyle Allen's first start. Now, while DJ Moore wound up having a decent fantasy day because he had the one catch for 50 yards and a touchdown, he only had two targets in that game. Now, he had more than two targets in this one, five, but was still second to Curtis Samuel in this one. And that's something you can't really have. Look, Curtis Samuel, we know he's a big play flyer. You know when you play him, you're playing, you're trying to play him in a plus matchup where you might catch a deep ball. DJ Moore is supposed to be a consistent guy for you week in and week out. And so far through two weeks, he has not looked like the favorite target for Kyle Allen. So it's concerning to me that in a plus matchup against Houston Texans where while nothing really went to plan in this game, it's the second week in a row, DJ Moore has been kind of the odd man out as far as the targets go for the main two receivers of this team. We'll have to see if that continues. They have a tough matchup next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're going to have to see how that all shakes out. And we'll give you more analysis and rankings as we get into that later on this week. But just something to keep in mind where DJ Moore might not be the favorite target of Kyle Allen. So his value may be dropping as a result. Where before, you know, everybody was pretty hopeful after the Arizona game that all the fantasy relevant players for the Panthers could stay at their same level. But that might not be the case for DJ Moore as far as a volume standpoint, which is what he has depended on up until this point for his fantasy value. Curtis Samuel, like I said, three catches, 32 yards. You know, DJ Moore was still better with his targets. He had three catches for 44 yards. There's not a lot to write home about. Kind of chalked this this game up to just a weird, low-scoring, ugly type of game that you thought maybe would have more points in it. And you kind of just move on from here. Not always going to win them. They're not always going to go the way you expect. And that was a classic case here. On the Houston Texans side of the ball, it was the same deal. DeAndre Hopkins only had five catches for 41 yards. He's been disappointing now for a few weeks in a row. Now, because he had a big first week and he had a good third week, I don't think there's anybody panicking on DeAndre Hopkins, but he's somebody who, if he has another disappointing week, he may become someone that people start to panic on and he may become a buy low candidate. So just something to keep your eye on. If you're looking for a wide receiver one and the owners in your leagues are 
maybe not following as close attention as looking at like, hey, DeAndre Hopkins isn't performing now for a couple weeks in a row. Keep that in mind as a possible buy low candidate. I think it's going to take one more week like this before that really becomes the case widespread. And of course, I'm never going to trade DeAndre Hopkins if I have him. But something to keep in mind if you're in one of those leagues and you think the owner is ripe for the taking in your league that has DeAndre Hopkins because he may become a buy low candidate soon. Outside of that, Kenny Stills did get banged up in this one. He caught a nice pass, and then he was wide open, and then suddenly scooted out of bounds because he pulled up and right away grabbed his hamstring. So that's something we're going to have to keep our eyes on moving forward. Kiki Kute may get more playing time if Kenny Stills is going to miss time, which after watching that hamstring issue, I think he probably will. Uh, It looked like it was pretty significant, especially since he pulled up right away as soon as he caught the ball. So we're going to have to see what that's going to all entail, and we'll have more for that on as we go through this week. Will Fuller here, again, disappointing. Three catches, 23 yards on six targets. He's becoming somebody to me who's just a flyer right at this point. Look, he has the talent and the capability, and this offense is not performing as well as it should right now. And I do expect him to turn a corner and get back on track, and I do expect Will Fuller to become more productive as he is healthy and on the field. But right now, it has to be a plus matchup and that you're looking to hit a home run. Otherwise, I don't know how you can play Will Fuller in your lineups with any confidence at the moment. Carlos Hyde, once again, was the lead ball carrier. 12 carries, 58 yards. Duke Johnson did get a little bit more involved in this game than he had been last week. Six carries, 56 yards, had a big 40-yard run in this game, tacked on two catches for 22 yards, where Carlos Hyde actually had four catches, but only for six, six yards in this one. So Carlos Hyde was a little bit more involved in the passing game, and as a Duke Johnson owner who's looking for some kind of daylight that maybe he can turn a corner and actually get some value for you, you don't want to see that, but... He was incredibly inefficient with the balls that he did catch. So that's still Duke Johnson's territory. But this is just a team that doesn't throw the ball to the backfield that much. They just don't. It's not their game. It's not what Deshaun Watson does. He looks to make a play down the field. So I still say Duke Johnson, to me, at this point, is somebody you can go ahead and drop. He is. He's a backup running back on his own team. He doesn't have a clear-cut role for the passing down works. You're basically just holding on to him with the thought that maybe if something happens to Carlos Hyde, he's nothing more than a handcuff at this point. So you, if you have Duke Johnson and you don't have Carlos Hyde, you can go ahead and drop him. I would continue to play Carlos Hyde moving forward, though. He's still getting the ball. Uh, he didn't score in this one, but he didn't have a bad game either in, in, a, in a matchup that everyone was pretty much bad. And that includes Deshaun Watson, who was terrible. 21 of 33, 160 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Just looked The whole offense just looked incoherent the entire day. And it's the second game in a row now where they haven't looked very good. There's too much talent here to keep playing this way. But it's definitely concerning now to see this a couple of weeks in a row, especially when you're leaning on guys like Deshaun Watson with where you drafted them, DeAndre Hopkins, where you drafted them, to be your key core pieces. It's hard to stay patient on that. But things will get better. Raiders and the Colts are up next, and we got another game here that was kind of interesting. T.Y. Hilton obviously didn't play in this game. Marlon Mack got banked up in this game, had to come out. We're going to have to see how he's doing tomorrow. We'll get more... Uh, info on that because if he misses any kind of time, suddenly Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines, how that split's going to work out because Marlon Mack has pretty much been producing like an RB1 up until this point. So that could be a hefty loss for all of you Marlon Mack owners out there. So we're going to keep that in mind as we go through the week and keep you as updated as possible for all the injury stuff. He had 11 carries for 39 yards before he got knocked out of this game. 
better days are ahead. Hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. But that's the thing. That's the risk you run with Marlon Mack. You know he has an injury history that he has a tendency to miss at least a few games. This may be that point where we get that for this season. Jacoby Brissett in this one, 265 yards, three touchdowns, a pick. He was still able to get to the end zone even without T.Y. Hilton. As far as receivers go, there was nobody who really established themselves in this game for receivers. Deion Kane, once again, was incredibly disappointing for having his third start in a row. Five targets, no catches. Paris Campbell got a little bit banged up in this game, came back in, had eight targets in this one, only five catches for 25 yards. The touchdowns went to Eric Ebron. For He had one catch on the day on five targets. It happened to be a 48-yard touchdown. So if you played Eric Ebron for the touchdown purposes, you got what you needed at the end of the day. But depending on, you're not going to feel great about that moving forward because you're going to need more volume than that to want to play him again because that was kind of a fluke. Chester Rogers had three catches, 40 yards, and a touch. Zach Pascal had four catches and 72 yards. He led the team, uh, had seven targets. I don't. Without T.Y. Hilton, I don't think there's a wide receiver on the Colts you can trust right now. There's nobody that established themselves, nobody that pulled ahead. I thought Paris Campbell would have a chance, and he was tied for the most targets on the team, but didn't really do too much with his opportunities. So outside of T.Y. Hilton when he comes back, and it could be as soon as next week, I don't think there's another Colts wide receiver worth owning at this point. Jack Doyle scored here, but Jack Doyle is not somebody who's involved enough in the offense for me to want to pick up. On the Raiders' side of the ball, Derek Carr continues to be very mediocre. 189 yards, did throw for two touchdowns, did hit Tyrell Williams. So Tyrell Williams continues his streak. This is now four games in a row that Tyrell Williams found the end zone, and he should have had two because he had a big drop where he was open in the end zone and just flat-out dropped the ball. So he should have had two touchdowns in this game. Now, here's the thing. Outside of Week 1, he hasn't done much besides those touchdowns. And once again, only goes for 36 yards in this one. He only went for about 39 yards last week when he scored a touchdown. So he's consistent that he's getting work in the red zone, which at the end of the day is the most important thing when you're talking about Tyra Williams. It continues to give him high-end wide receiver three with possible wide receiver two status if he gets more involved in between the 20s. But Derek Carr hasn't been that productive as far as yards go so far this season. And that's been a byproduct of why Tyra Williams hasn't been that great. As far as yardage goes. But as long as the touchdown streak can continue, he's somebody that you can kind of keep playing, and you know he's going to get that work. Darren Waller, once again, didn't get any touchdowns, but was the leading receiver at the end of the day. Seven catches, 53 yards on eight targets. He continues to be an elite tight end as far as PPR leagues go and has a very high floor week in and week out in every scoring format. So Darren Waller continues to be somebody who is a top five tight end for you. Foster Moreau is the other tight end who got the touchdown here, but he's nobody who's going to be fantasy relevant for a really long time. Josh Jacobs had a solid game. 17 carries, 79 yards in this one. Did tack on two catches for 29 yards. So he does get you over 100 yards total on 19 touches in this one. The Colts have been a good matchup. Now, what's concerning is that he still has not gotten any end zone since week one, but they did get him back on track, did get him more involved in every facet of the game. He was on the on the on the field for all three downs, which is what they said leading up into the week they wanted to get back to because they do want him to be the featured guy and be able to let Josh Jacobs have the offense flow through him to then open up everything else. That was the game plan they stuck to. They did win the game, so I would suspect that they would keep with that game plan moving forward. I think Josh Jacobs is as solid of an RB2 as they come right now. 
For the Chargers next up, we have them. They won 30-10 to in this game, and yet we're still somehow disappointing. Not Phillip Rivers. 310 yards and two touchdowns here for Phillip Rivers. But who was disappointing was the receiving game. Keenan Allen in a game in which there was no Mike Williams, no Travis Benjamin, no Hunter Henry. You would have thought Keenan Allen, who's been a target monster for the past few weeks going up against the Miami Dolphins, would have even one of his biggest weeks of the year, even though he had a huge week last week. Disappointing that in this matchup he didn't really produce. Five catches, 48 yards on six targets. Dontrell Inman actually stepped in in the absence of every other Chargers wide receiver and had five catches for 76 yards and had himself a decent little sleeper day. But the Chargers, they just, as soon as they got up by enough, they didn't really put the pedal to the metal. They didn't try to dominate the Dolphins. They kind of just they got up by a few scores and they just tried to do what they had to do to win. And that's pretty much what it boiled down to. Austin Eckler was fantastic. And we kind of knew what was going to happen to Austin Eckler. He was going to get all the touches until it didn't matter anymore. Now, Tremaine Pope. Yeah, I know. Who? Tremaine Pope? Yeah, the guy they brought up to take the place of Justin Jackson because they didn't want Melvin Gordon in there except for emergency situations. And Melvin Gordon didn't wind up playing at all in this game. He was actually the one who scored the first touchdown, believe it or not. The receiving touchdown. After that, it was all Austin Eckler. Five catches, 62 yards, and a touch, and intact on 18 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. It really makes you wonder, now that Melvin Gordon's going to be back, if Melvin Gordon's going to be utilized in this type of way. We know he does run the ball and catch the ball. Austin Eckler's obviously still going to be involved, and Austin Eckler's still going to have flex appeal, especially for PPR leagues, because he's not going to just totally lose his job, especially in the passing game. And, of course, for next week, Anthony Lynn's already come out and said that Melvin Gordon's not going to his full workload next week is going to be a limited workload and we'll get into that as the week progresses as far as what that means and what you can expect from that and what it could look like but for now Austin Eckler was still great in this game the last game for him being the workhorse back but he's still going to have flex of value for you in PPR leagues moving forward if you a lot of people keep asking the question if you own Austin Eckler and you don't own Melvin Gordon what should you do I would say this. I I would look at the guy who owns Melvin Gordon and I would see what he has because Austin Eckler would probably be worth a lot to him. So you might be able to get a high-end wide receiver two, maybe even a buy-low wide receiver one, or players of those caliber from him because he wants to make sure that he is protected. So he's going to be worth a lot to Other than that, I don't think anybody who doesn't have Melvin Gordon is going to look at Austin Eckler and be like, yeah, that's a guy who I definitely want to make a trade for or as involved in a package of some sort. So if, if... If you can't get a deal done with the Melvin Gordon owner, I would just hold on to Eckler because he is going to have some standalone value. And Melvin Gordon has an injury history, and he didn't get to practice at all. So soft tissue injuries are definitely something that, as Melvin Gordon owners, we're going to have to be concerned about to some degree as the season progresses. It's going to be, while it's going to be frustrating to not be able to feel like if you play Melvin Gordon in your lineups next week, that you're definitely going to be getting the RB1 that you hope to get right away, it's probably smart that they're going to limit his contributions until he fully has his legs under him and ready to go. I just look at this as Ezekiel Elliott situation, where his first week back, they kind of split him down the middle with Tony Pollard. That's kind of what I expect. I think they're going to split him down the middle with Austin Eckler next week. And then the week after that, they got they went back to his full workload. And that's what I think we're going to find here with Melvin Gordon. From, from all reports, he came back in shape, pretty much good to go. So it's not a lack of getting back in shape. He has been working out the entire time. So that's the good news there.
As far as the Dolphins' side of the ball, their offense showed some life. Josh Rosen was not terrible in this game. You know, 17-20 of 24, 180 yards, did have a touchdown. Their first touchdown of the year, one pick. They weren't completely awful. Devontae Parker was the guy who got the touchdown in that one, four catches, 70 yards on four targets. But Preston Williams, for the third week in a row, was the leading targeted wide receiver with seven, only four catches, 46 yards. Obviously, he's not the one who got the touchdown. But with those two big guys, Rosen looking better, they're not they're not fantasy relevant yet. They're not guys I'm running out to pick up yet. But with the injuries that we've had, with the bye weeks getting heavier and heavier as we move forward, there's somebody who you might have to plug and play. And this is a good sign that you may be able to and feel like you might actually have a chance to get some points if you have to. So just 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 to keep that in mind for now. Kenyon Drake in this one, nine carries, 44 yards, three catches for, uh, three catches for 29 yards on five targets in this one. He has been progressively getting more and more involved as well as we go through because Kalen Balaj continues to suck. Uh, in this one, it actually wasn't Kalen Balaj. Mark Walton was the guy who got the second most carries, six carries for 23 yards in this one. Mark Walton may have surpassed Kalen Balaj on the depth chart. That's what this game showed me. I would still like to see Kenyon Drake get more work. I would still like to see Kenyon Drake get at least 15 to 16 touches a game and get double-digit carries. We may be working up to that, especially if Mark Walton's going to be taking the lead over Kalen Balazs from here. If he does that, he does have a floor when it comes to PPR leagues as a flex play in a spot-start situation. I still keep hoping he gets traded, but if the Dolphins can look more competent as we move forward in this season, I think Drake might have some fantasy value for you after all by the time this year's out our next game up that we have to talk about is the washington redskins and the new york giants this is a totally one side of the fair and incredibly frustrating disappointing terry mclaurin goes out so the number one pickup on sunday was paul richardson and Trey Quinn was probably a popular pickup in PPR leagues as well. Vernon Davis was a popular streaming tight end option. You thought you could play AP. You thought you could play Chris Thompson. And they came out and laid a total egg. Case Keenum did get benched in this game. Dwayne Haskins came in, didn't fare really any better. Uh, Haskins in this one, 9 for 17, 107 yards, 3 interceptions. He came in after Case Keenum threw the pick. Now, because they stuck with Dwayne Haskins for the rest of the game and didn't bench him after his third interception, I think this is going to be Dwayne Haskins from here on out, which I do think can be an improvement for the offense. And I've talked about this before. As far as Terry McLaurin goes, which is the number one fantasy player that you're worried about when it comes to the Washington Redskins right now, he has the rapport with Dwayne Haskins. So as far as that goes, this doesn't hurt him. It could even possibly help him as they have the rapport. I think it'll help Dwayne Haskins, if he has his buddy Terry McLaurin out on the field as well, and I think Dwayne Haskins is a lot better moving forward. And mark my words, Dwayne Haskins is going to be a better pro than Daniel Jones. All right, I know Daniel Jones had a good game last week. Daniel Jones, didn't. they got the win. He didn't play well in this game. 23 of 31, 225 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He didn't play well. The Redskins just hand-wrapped the game for the Giants in this one. That's all it came down to. Dwayne Haskins is going to be a better pro than Daniel Jones. Mark my words. And we'll get to see him better if he gets to practice for a full week and gets to prepare as a starter. It'll go a long way. And I do think now that the Redskins are 0-4, Jay Gruden better hitch his trailer to that wagon. He better. You, you better start Dwayne Haskins from here on out because if you go back to Case Keenum next week, there's going to be no reason in the world not to fire you. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. There's there's no excuse that the Washington Redskins against the New York Giants, who have been that abysmal of a team, and especially on defense, for your offense to look as unprepared and have no semblance of any identity or game plan or any idea or clue as to how attack that giant defense that had been attacked by everyone up until this point and still have a job. There's no way. You have to start Dwayne Haskins. That's why I definitely think it'll be Dwayne Haskins in week five. And if they look this terrible again, I think Jake Gruden's a candidate to get fired at some point during the season. Not at the end, during the season. And really, if I was the owner, I would have him fired today. Because there's no way, and I guess a division team, in a game in which you should at least been competitive, if nothing else, look like you had no clue out there against this terrible defense. No way. So if it was up to me, Gruden be fired tomorrow, but I do think he's somebody who legitimately will be fired during the season, regardless of the Haskins-Keenum situation and how that plays out. But I do think it's going to be Haskins here out moving forward. Another disappointing performance was AP. 11 carries, 28 yards. They just can't get anything going on the ground on a consistent basis. And this was a game that should have been had for him too. Chris Thompson had four catches, 56 yards on five targets. He was the only receiver of note. I mean, that was it. He continues to have a pretty high floor when it comes to PPR leagues. He continues to be a guy you can play in the flex and get, you know, double-digit points out of. Uh, So he continues to serve as his role. But right now, if you don't have Terry McLaurin outside of Chris Thompson in that scenario, there's no reason to own a Washington Redskin right now. Especially, And that includes AP, because if he wasn't going to light up the Giants, if he wasn't going to have a good game against the Giants, I don't know who he's going to have a good game against this season. Or even if he does have a good game, if, who you're going to feel comfortable starting him against this season. As far as the Giants side of the ball, we talked about Daniel Jones a little bit. Wayne Gallman comes in, gets a lot of touches in this one. Now, he did have a fumble later on in the game. The game was already well won at that point, so I don't think it's anything that's going to cost Wayne Gallman moving forward. But he had 18 carries for 63 yards, a touchdown in this one, six catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown through the air on seven targets. This is my thing about Wayne Gallman. Yes, he's no Saquon Barkley, but he is a guy who is known to be a good pass catcher and be able to make plays in that capacity. And that allows him to be on the field for all three downs because you're going to want to use him there, and he's still your best runner. So Wayne Gallman, as long as Saquon Barkley's out, is going to be a high-volume play week in and week out. Now, I'm still going to want to you know, have some reservations based on matchup 
in certain ones because there's definitely games where he could completely disappear when they play a decent defense. But in this game, he did exactly what you wanted him to do. Got all the volume and got good production as a result. Jonathan Hillman, who they brought up, had 10 carries in this one, mostly towards the end of the game when it was already well in hand, and they kind of gave Gallman a break. So nothing to worry about as far as Gallman splitting possibly with somebody. That wasn't the case in this in this game. Sterling Shepard, 7 catches, 76 yards on 9 targets in this one. Evan Ingram had 4 catches, 54 yards on 7 targets. Evan Ingram was disappointing. You would thought he would have a better game here against the Washington Redskins after the big week that he had and the rapport that he seemingly had with Daniel Jones. Better days are ahead, and at the end of the day, this wasn't a terrible game for a tight end either. But Sterling Shepard, it's going to be very interesting to see now. Sterling Shepard had started started to emerge as a high-end wide receiver 3 flex play for you guys. Golden Tate's going to be back next week. What is that going to mean? I, this is what I've been leading up to this entire offseason with what are we going to see out of Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate <coughs> and why I think they may cut into each other. They're both slot receivers. Sterling Shepard's going to be the guy who I think is forced to play the outside and Golden Tate's going to play the slot. Now, with Daniel Jones in, that may not be as much of a, as much of a death sentence to be the outside wide receiver because he at least can still throw outside the hashes unlike Eli. But it's going to be very interesting to see how those two cut into each other. And I'm not starting either one until someone emerges as Daniel Jones' favorite target. Because I don't think this offense is going to be able to sustain value for Gallman, for Ingram, who I do think will have value throughout this season, or in Gallman's case, until Barkley comes back. And only has room, I think, for one wide receiver to be fantasy relevant on a consistent basis. Not two. I don't think this, this offense has that kind of volume especially when they go up against better teams. So something just to keep in mind moving forward. Next up, we got the Titans and the Atlanta Falcons. A disappointing game for the Atlanta Falcons here. Now, yes, the Tennessee Titans are a tough defense, but this game was at home. And it was a not a must-win, but a needed-win situation for the Atlanta Falcons. And you would think coming back home after a tough loss last week that they would do everything they could to go 2-2. Two two. They would play really a sharp game. And there was a couple things of analysis that we get to take out of this game. So Matt Ryan doesn't throw for a touchdown, didn't throw a pick either, did throw for 397 yards, only three yards away from 400 yards. So Matt Ryan, even though this offense continues to be a bit wonky at times, and this team continues to not play up to expectations, he continues to be as consistent of a QB1 for fantasy purposes as anyone because he continues to put up 300-plus yards every game. This is the first game he didn't have a couple touchdowns to go with it. So Matt Ryan, at the end of the day, I'm like, it can only really get better as far as his play on the field goes. So I'm not, I'm really not worried about him for fantasy-wise. I'm also not worried about Julio Jones. Yes, he only had four catches for 52 yards on seven targets in this game. The Titans had a good game plan on defense. They pretty much said, hey, Somebody besides Julio Jones is going to have to beat us. And that's why he didn't have as big of a game. Austin Hooper, Muhammad Snu, in the, operating in the middle field, they're the ones who had the bigger games. Austin Hooper had a great game here. Nine catches, 130 yards on 11 targets. Muhammad Snu had nine catches for 91 yards on 12 targets. I'm still not going out to pick up Miss, pick up Miss Snu. He's nothing more than a PPR wide receiver four. That, that's it. Because I guarantee you, you go to pick him up, you're going to play him next week, he's going to get you two catches for 21 yards. Mohamed Sanu is not something you can depend on fantasy-wise. 
Does he deserve to be rostered? Yeah, I talked about this going into last week. He deserves to be rostered because the PPR for PPR scoring formats only, the, the value is there in those situations at a wide receiver four, especially with the bye weeks and the injuries coming up. He might be somebody you have to spot start. And because his offense is throwing the ball as much as they are, might have some value for you, not put up a total dud and come th- and come through for you in weeks like this. But it's not going to be consistent. Julio Jones is going to get his. Calvin Ridley is going to get his. Calvin Ridley now has two games in a row. He's been kind of quiet. Three catches, 32 yards on six targets in this game. But he's going to bounce back. It's Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. That's the 1A and the 1B. And Julio's been fantastic. This is his first game where he wasn't absolutely awesome. So, that, yeah, we're not going to worry about that there. And Calvin Ridley, I continue to play him as a wide receiver too. Devontae Freeman in this one. Did get the overwhelming majority of the work. 12 carries, only 28 yards though. This is a tough, again, this is a offensive line that's still really bad, still trying to find their way after their rookie got hurt, and is going up against a really good front seven, a defense that's hard to run on in the first place. What was troubling as a Devontae Freeman owner was that Edo Smith came in on the goal line to steal the touchdown. Freeman, who has not scored a touchdown so far this season through the first four weeks, had one stolen by Edo Smith. I mean, it's it, it's it was maddening that they brought in Edo Smith in that in that situation. It would have been big for Freeman. Now, Freeman still had a decent fantasy day. Why? Because he got involved in the passing game. Eight catches, seventy-two yards on nine targets, and that's what you want to see. Devontae Freeman is not somebody you depend on for his rushing ability. It's the fact that you should be getting carries as well as receptions. The last two weeks, they've done a much better job getting Devontae Freeman involved in the passing game. So as long as that continues, he'll continue to have a floor. And like I keep saying, he still looks good. So as long as he continues to have a floor, he's somebody you can expect to have better and better weeks out of from a fantasy production. So as long as that continues, I'm still using Devontae Freeman as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 flex play guy that I do think still has the ability to improve as the season goes on because I do think this offense, this team is going to improve as the season goes on. As far as Tennessee Titans side of the ball, before we get into what their wide receivers did because their wide receivers performed well, the big analysis that you have to take away, kind of like I did with Baltimore, the note that I want you to take away from this Atlanta defense is without Keanu Neal, they are very vulnerable in the secondary. They weren't a shutdown secondary to begin with, but without Keanu Neal, they're very vulnerable, especially to the big play in the secondary. So keep that in mind. When you're going up against the Atlanta Falcons, you're looking for a flyer, or you're looking to see who's going to have the big play, looking to see who has the stealing expectation. Big play guys are going to have their opportunities against them without Keanu Neal this season. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, with that said, look at the receivers. Three catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns for A.J. Brown. But he did it all on three targets. Corey Davis, five catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. This was prob- This is definitely probably the first and last game that both of these receivers are able to have such a good game. I think this is an offense that can only sustain fantasy value for one wide receiver and even then that one wide receiver to me is still only a wide receiver four wide receiver five that you have to play in spot starts and never feel comfortable about playing it's still Marcus Mary it's still a run first offense first of all it's still Marcus Mariota who's widely inconsistent and not not a volume passer and not overly productive even in this game while he had the three touchdown passes he still only had 227 yards 
So there's just not a lot to be had there. You have to do a lot with the little opportunities that you get. I still think A.J. Brown's the one who takes the lead eventually. Corey Davis was the one who was more targeted in this, but I do think A.J. Brown's the one who becomes that number one wide receiver for this team at some point as we move down and establishes himself. But for now, while I'm rostering A.J. Brown, while you're probably rostering Corey Davis, I'm not playing them unless I absolutely have to. And this game didn't change that for me. Derrick Henry, 27 carries, 100 yards. He continues to have crazy volume, continues to have a high floor when it comes to the running backs, a high-end RB2. Even when he doesn't get the ball a ton, he finds a way to score, generally speaking. Did tack on a catch for eight yards. Derrick Henry continues to be one of the best consistent plays so far this season. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. we got four more games to get to from the Sunday afternoon games, all of them the 4 o'clock games, and then we'll close out the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Moving right along with the biggest game of the week. 95 points scored between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. This game had all kinds of confusing and surprising and both pleasantly and disappointing throughout this matchup. First of all, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to play against the Rams. We got to start with them because this was a big moment for Jameis Winston. He played great, absolutely phenomenal, and I didn't think he was going to have a great game. Number one, the Rams' defense is pretty good and has played pretty well up until this point. They're going on the road to Los Angeles. It's not easy to win there because that's usually how the, when the offense plays their best is when they're at home for the Rams. So with Jameis Winston on the road, who has been playing better over the past several weeks. Remember, he played better against Carolina. Then he had the fantasy production against the Giants. But against the Giants, not saying much. That was a matchup you expected them to get going. But that might have been the confidence booster they need going into this game. Because he came out and outright produced. 385 yards, 4 touchdowns, 1 pick. Jameis Winston was great in this game. This was that typical play James Winston, even though it doesn't necessarily make all the sense in the world, and know that he could still come out and have a huge game fantasy-wise. Wide receivers were great. Chris Godwin, so much for not playing at 100% Chris Godwin. 12 catches, 172 yards, 2 touchdowns on 14 targets. Nobody on the Rams could stick him. They couldn't keep up with him. I thought he was hurt. He practiced one day in a limited capacity last week. Comes in in this game with a hip injury, no less. Pretty important as far as the route runner goes. And totally dominates. Completely dominates everywhere. That's going to be something to watch. That slot receiver against the Rams, that could be a mismatch. We're going to keep our eyes on that. But Chris Godwin was unbelievable in this game. And then Mike Evans still got his. Four catches, 89 yards, got a touchdown on a 67-yarder. Yes, the, you don't really like to see, if you're a Mike Evans owner, the volume be so so far apart between him and Godwin because other than last week, it has been Godwin number one to Mike Evans number two, really. I mean, last week, yes, Evans had the three touchdowns and he completely dominated. God, that was the game that Godwin got hurt, though. So keep that in mind. 
other than last week, Godwin's been by far the more valuable, the majority holder as far as the target share goes, wide receiver of this offense. So we're going to have, we're going to, have to see how this continues out. But Mike Evans still comes back and back to back to back weeks gives you a really good game here. At the end of the day, you're not worried about it. At seven targets in this one, plenty of fantasy points to go around. The one guy who didn't get that involved, O.J. Howard. Three catches, 33 yards on three targets. Now, typically speaking, going up against the Rams, it wouldn't be something that would concern me. Because I would say, you know what? Against the Rams, they got a good defense. I could see O.J. Howard possibly not having the best day. But now, played against the Giants, didn't have a great game. Didn't have as good of a game as you would have hoped for. Only had an okay game. Going up against the Rams in a game in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put up 55 points and had all of these fantasy points for all of these players, O.J. Howard's still not involved. At the end of the day, he's he's playing all the time. The problem is he's blocking too much of the time. They're not having him run pass routes. They're having him hold back and help out with the running game, which makes sense, obviously. Everyone's going to be blocking there. But in pass block, to help out the offensive line, be able to keep some pressure off of James Winston, he's getting held in the block a lot. He's got the capability of doing it. He's on the field a lot. Maybe that'll lead to some opportunities, but right now they're not utilizing O.J. Howard as a passing weapon, which is a waste to some degree because he's a hell of an athlete. He's a hell of a pass catcher. He could be a superstar tight end, but I don't know if Bruce Arians is ever going to use him in that way. Now, part of it is because that offensive line is so bad they need his help. The other part of it is that Bruce Arians typically just doesn't really game plan for tight ends. Doesn't. Cameron Bright was the one who got the touchdown in this one, but... You know, Cameron Brate's not going to be fantasy relevant either. As far as the running game goes, the saga continues. Ronald Jones was the guy who was the leading ball carrier this week. 19 carries, 70 yards, had a touch. Peyton Barber also did find the end zone, was the starter. Only 9 carries for 19 yards, though. Neither one of them particularly efficient. Ronald Jones was better, obviously. But knowing which one of these guys is going to get the bulk of the carries from a week-to-week basis is a nightmare. And either way... Typically speaking, neither one of them are going to be that productive. They're not usually both going to get opportunities to score touchdowns. So they're still, they're, they get too much work to not be rostered. But I don't know what scenario you're going to be like, yeah, let me play these guys. Let me play Ronald Jones. Let me play Peyton Barber. I'm going to feel good about that. Never, never. On the Rams side of the ball, uh, Jared Goff was great for fantasy. Horrible for actual football. He threw the ball 68 times in this game. 45 completions. 517 passing yards. Two touchdowns, but the three picks. From an NFL standpoint, he didn't play well. Look, the reason this game became the way that it did was because of the Jarek Goff turnovers early on. So Tampa Bay got up to a huge lead, and then the Rams just threw, through through. Actually made it a game there at the end until the final interception put the nail in the coffin for the pick six. And that was what pretty much did it right there. But from a fantasy perspective, who cares? Jared Goff was finally really good for your team back at home. Now, this was a crazy situation, and they're not going to be in too many situations like this where they put up a ton of points and were also coming from behind since the first quarter down multiple scores. That That's not going to be typical game flow. We've seen typical game flow from the Rams so far. But there were some things here to take out that I do think may play into the future, like with Todd Gurley. Now, look, from the running standpoint, Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown both had five carries apiece. Todd Gurley did not get his first carry, his first carry, until halfway through the second quarter. 
A lot of that just had to do with game script, though. Malcolm Brown came in for his normal set of plays. Todd Gurley was in there for his normal set of plays. There was no difference in the amount of snap share between the two. So while the carries came out to be dead even, it wasn't because Malcolm Brown was suddenly getting more work. That, that wasn't the situation. Todd Gurley does get the two rushing touchdowns here, so he does put up a good fantasy day, for, a really nice fantasy day for you here. And it was just because it happened to be his series that he was there when they were on the goal line and he got the score. They're still going to use Todd Gurley in the red zone as long as it's his series. That's the thing about it. That's the thing, though. You're you're rolling the dice a little bit right now when it comes to Todd Gurley getting his, his end zone looks because next week it could just as easily be Malcolm Brown when they're in the five-yard line because it's his series. That's just the way it's breaking out. Right now, it's been about a 65-35 split. I expect that to pretty much continue throughout the season. The big difference in this one that made me happy about Todd Gurley is because he finally got involved in the passing game. The thing I have been screaming about, the thing I've been telling you guys that I've been worried about when it comes to Todd Gurley over the past three weeks is the fact that they are not involved, not just Gurley, but the running back position in general in their passing game. And look, their offense at the end of the day still put up 40 points. They still scored a ton. So I love the fact that Todd Gurley, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Todd Gurley did get involved in the passing game. Seven catches, 54 yards on 11 targets. He was the third most targeted player for the Rams. Now, while this kind of volume is not going to be a week-to-week thing, hopefully the Rams saw that their offense did score points, were efficient, and saw that Todd Gurley is still very much a factor in the passing game if you actually look to throw him the football. So hopefully... This will trend towards him getting more involved in the passing game. And I think, in some degree, if you're a Todd Gurley owner, you needed this to happen, the Rams. You needed them to know that you can't just lethargically come out and play a simple version, conservative type of game and be able to win every time. So I think it was good for them that they got smacked in the face. I think it was good for Sean McVay that they got smacked in the face a little bit. Because you saw him finally switching up his play calling. He was going back to doing different formations. He was switching up the tempo throughout the game. We'd go a little bit fast-paced, try to get Goff more in rhythm and get the offense sparked and going again. That worked. That helped. Because they were looking for answers in the, second, in the first half. And they, that's what finally got them going and made it a ball game going into the second half. So I think they needed to get smacked in their face a little bit and realize, like, you need to start playing football. You need to start playing Rams type of football. So hopefully it's a step in that direction. Now, like I said, this volume is not going to continue, and I think everybody knows that. But it's a step in the right direction as far as Todd Gurley owners go. Robert Woods, it was nice to see him have a big game after not doing a whole hell of a lot the first two games. Still a little bit annoying that he still hasn't scored a touchdown through four weeks. Uh, being how involved he was, 15 targets in this one, tied for the most with Cooper Cup, who also had 15, 13 catches, 164 yards. He was just open all game long, possession receiver, possession receiver, moving the chains, moving the chains, which is what Robert Woods does best at the end of the day. Cooper Cup, nine catches, 121 yards, touchdown in this one. He continues to be the Rams wide receiver you want to own because he's the one who has the best chance from a week in, week out basis to get into the end zone. And he has just as much volume as a Robert Woods. And has just as much game-breaking ability as Brandon Cooks playing in the middle of the field. He had another big game today. He had another big 29-yarder in this one. So, yeah, Cooper Cup is the guy who I want to own as a Rams wide receiver, I think, for the rest of the season because he just has the highest floor and the highest ceiling with anybody. And I think Brandon, I think Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks are just going to be taking turns here and there based on matchup from week to week. 
Brandon Cooks still had a decent game for you. Six catches, 71 yards, nine targets. But had this been a game that was in more normal parameters, this wasn't a Brandon Cooks week. It was going to be a Robert Woods week. Those are going to happen. But they're both still consistent. All three of the receivers are still top or still wide receiver twos in my book. But Cooper Cup right now, the way he's playing, he's borderline a wide receiver one at this point. Just the way he's been getting the ball and the way he's been getting touchdown looks. Like he's he's on like the lower end wide receiver one so far to through this season. Now I think at the end of, when you're when you're looking at, you know, who when you're ranking guys out where you have them at, I think you're looking at Cooper Cup at a wide receiver two. You know, top end wide receiver two. I think Robert Woods is still a wide receiver they're all wide receiver twos. And you know they have upside to be wide receiver ones in any given week because the offense is gonna put up points and have opportunities there. But it was good for people who were starting to get worried about Robert Woods. No, he's still very much a part of this offense when they need him to be. He's still very much the chain mover. He's still very much a possession wide receiver. He's still very much going to have good games like he did in this one. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. This game went about as expected. Seattle dominated. Uh, didn't have to do as much offensively, though, as I thought they would. Instead of taking advantage of the extra opportunities they were getting, they were pretty much just running the football. So Chris Carson was the one who had the big game. 22 carries, 104 yards, 4 catches, 41 yards. Rashad Penny was inactive for this week again. Uh, they said he was going to be a game-time decision. They decided to keep him out for one more week. I don't blame him. You knew you were going to need Rashad Penny to win this game. So we'll see going into next week. The biggest thing for Chris Carson owners is that he got all the work and he didn't fumble. So that's the biggest thing that you want to see with him, uh, with with Rashad Penny looming as a comeback. If Chris Carson was going to continue fumbling, you know Rashad Penny was eventually going to get his opportunities. The fact that, A, Rashad Penny was still not able to play, and Chris Carson was able to handle 26 touches without fumbling in this one, puts him back in the good graces of the coaching staff and sets things, you know, resets things back to normal where Chris Carson's a starter. Penny's still going to get work whenever he comes back. It's still going to take out of Chris Carson a little bit there, but you're not worried about losing your job to him anymore. Russell Wilson, this one, 240 yards, touchdown. Just didn't have to throw the ball a ton. They they weren't overly aggressive. Will Disley, seven catches, 57 yards, a touchdown, eight targets. Will Disley's a tight end one. Plain and simple. I talked about last week, if you do it three weeks in a row, it's not a fluke. This is four weeks in a row now that he scored. They trade away Nick DeVinette. They're using him. He has a trust in Russell Wilson. You're going to play, anytime you have a good tight end, you're going to play them against Arizona because it, they've shown you that they can't defend the tight end, especially if they're a good one. And uh, so as far as that goes, you know, keep that in mind moving forward. But with Will Disley, he's tight end one. Plain and simple. He's a tight end one. So you're going to start him every single week. And and you might be in some situations. I I know for me, I have a few leagues where I have Andrews and Disley. So it's kind of an embarrassment of riches to the tight end position that you don't get to see very often. Uh, unless you're in a scenario like that where you have two tight end ones, I don't see how you're benching Will Disley anytime soon. For the receivers, this was disappointing because I expected Tyler Lockett to have a huge game. Four catches, 51 yards, just on four targets. Like I said, at the the Seattle Seahawks, at the end of the day, did not have to throw the ball that much. It was just part of the game script. They were up. They controlled this thing. They gave the ball to Chris Carson. Leading up to this point, offenses had been more aggressive against Arizona. One, because they could. Two, because they were getting extra possessions. So I thought the Seattle Seahawks would do the same here. I don't. Would Sometimes I would say it's a bad call by me. I don't think it was a bad call by me. I think this game just didn't go as expected. 
That happens sometimes. Tyler Lockett, to me, is still a high-end wide receiver, too, with wide receiver one upside in any given week. Uh, and this is a matchup that you're usually going to lick your chops on. The guy who was really disappointing was DK Metcalf. One catch, six yards, four targets. Uh, was a matchup where I felt like he really should have been able to take advantage going down the field. But again, they didn't play aggressive enough. They didn't play that way in this game. They decided that once they got up by a couple scores, they were just going to try to get out of the game as quickly as possible and run the ball. On the Cardinals side of the ball, David Johnson continues to be great. The volume has helped David Johnson stay fantasy relevant throughout the weeks. And in this game, he was actually really generally good. Eight catches, 99 yards on 11 targets. He's by far the most targeted pass catcher. And then tacked on 11 carries for 40 yards. Continues to have some inefficiencies as far as the run game goes. But that goes with having the offensive line that he does in front of him. And that also goes with having to run when you're in four receiver sets 24-7 out of shotgun all the time. You're never never under center. It's never power football. Um, so he's not going to be put in situations where you're going to have extra blockers in front of him at any point this season. So you're depending on that volume in the pass-catching game and the rushing game for David Johnson. And he continues, he continues to show up. This is the first week he didn't score, but you still got almost 150 yards out of him. So you're going to take that. You're going to be okay. Kyler Murray was, yeah. He ran, and this is the second week in a row that he's actually looked to use his legs a little bit more. Now, he didn't have a lot of yards. He only had 27 yards, but he did get the rushing touchdown. It salvaged your fantasy day, made him a a decent play, a competent play. He didn't lose you the week. 22 of 32, 241 yards, no touchdowns and interceptions as far as throwing the football goes. This was the first game Larry Fitzgerald wasn't huge. You know, five catches, 47 yards on five targets, but none of the receivers got heavily targeted in this one. Christian Kirk also only had five targets, four catches, 37 yards. He's a guy, I told you, he would come back down to earth. He's not really a big play guy. He's very dependent on getting volume. If he doesn't get that volume, I think he has a very low floor. And this game just proved that. If it doesn't go his way, he doesn't able to get that volume. The offense in general isn't able to be on the field more. Christian Kirk's going to have games where he just puts up duds. Plain and simple. Better days ahead for Larry Fitzgerald. He's been pretty good for you so far. You can't have any complaints out of him right now. Next game up, we got the Vikings and the Bears. And woo, I didn't expect this one. I did not expect the Bears to just almost blank the Vikings, essentially. Kirk Cousins, they got to figure something out with that offense. It's Look, it's great that the Minnesota Vikings are able to run the football. That's awesome. There comes a point in time, like in this game, now, Chicago's a tough defense, and they were in Chicago. That's fine. It, but there comes a point in time that your passing game is going to have to win you a game. It's going to have to be able to pick up the slack and be able to get that offense as a whole going and being as good as it possibly could be. Passing game's got to get on track. And by doing what they're doing, which is going through the run game, that's good. Opens up play action and all that. And I do think that will help turn the corner eventually because I do think this offense especially the passing attack is still way better than how it's played you got to switch up the tempo sometimes too this whole like routine of like they break the huddle with you know 14 to 15 seconds they wind the clock all the way down to about five before they snap it playing very slow paced right now they're gonna have to change it up Kirk Cousins is better when he goes up tempo he just is it doesn't need to be a two-minute drill just it doesn't need to be during two minutes, I should say. Do a two-minute drill in the midway through the first quarter, midway through the third quarter. 
Mix it up a little bit because I'm telling you right now, if you get Kirk Cousins going, you get Adam Thielen going, get Stephon Diggs going, this offense as a whole could be one of the top offenses in the NFL, especially with the way they're able to run the football. So I need to see, Kirk Cousins has to play better, and he played awful in this game. He had more fumbles. He always had fumble issues. But, and this isn't for Kirk Cousins' fantasy value. This is for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen value. They're going to have to, they're going to have to mix it up. Hopefully that'll come. I don't know when. We haven't seen signs of it yet. But maybe a loss against Chicago in the way that they did, knowing that they're going to have to figure out that passing game for the offense, maybe will jar them to mix it up a little bit more. For Dalvin Cook, 14 carries, 35 yards. He finds the end zone. We knew this was going to be a tough matchup for Dalvin Cook. There's not really too many teams that are going to find success running the football in Bears. And keep in mind, Hicks wasn't even in this game. And he still had trouble running on the Bears. Imagine if Hicks was in this game. There's not a team that I think you're going to be able to run on. When you have your RB1s playing in Chicago, you're probably still just going to have to play them. And if you play Dalvin Cook, you still had an okay fantasy day because he found the end zone. That can still happen. But just you're going to have to lower your expectations as far as that goes when you do play them. Now, as far as receivers go, Stephon Diggs, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Volume Town. Seven targets, seven catches, 108 yards. He didn't score, but to see him go over 100 yards in a very tough matchup against the Chicago Bears in this one, when there wasn't a lot to be had as far as volume for everybody, for pass catchers, to see him, hey, I can still be the number one with Adam Thielen being the number two some games. To see him in this matchup, go for over 100 yards, has to give you some confidence with him moving forward. Because like I said going into this week, I still wasn't panicking on Stephon Diggs because I knew after they played Chicago, they have a slew of about five-game stretch here where they're going to have plus matchups for the wide receivers. So it was like, get through the game against Chicago, and then things might turn around. Well, things turned around in this game for Stephon Diggs. That gives me more confidence going over the next stretch that they have that I can go back and still play Stephon Diggs, hope that this passing attack still gets better, but know that you still have a guy who can be a wide receiver too and produce for you on a high level. Because that's what you expect Stephon Diggs to be. That's why you drafted him in the third or fourth round. Adam Thielen was nowhere to be found. This was a game the way it went that only one of the wide receivers were going to get to eat, and that just happened to be Diggs in this one. It had been Adam Thielen up until this point. Only two catches, six yards on six targets. Again, same thing when it went for Stephon. Even if Stephon Diggs had a terrible game, I'm telling you, when it comes to the wide receivers, they have a good stretch coming up where they should have plus matchups and play a little bit better and get more production. On the Bears' side of the football, Mitchell Trubisky was knocked out in this game, had a concussion, or a shoulder and, and concussion first, and then it was a shoulder injury. There was no update from Matt Nagy as far as what the shoulder injury is, severity of it, all of that information. I'm sure they're going to go for MRIs, and we'll find out more tomorrow and as the week goes. Chase Daniel came in and I think looked better than Mitchell Trubisky has at any point this season. Now they didn't throw for a lot, only 195 yards, but did have the touchdown and was uh, had a high completion percentage. He got guys involved. Allen Robinson had seven catches for 77 yards on seven targets. He spread the ball around. Chase Daniels looked like a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. Now, Chase Daniels is not a good quarterback. He's a backup guy. But it just kind of goes to show you that if you get a quarterback who can play a competent game, that value can be had, opportunities can be had by the guys that you want to lean on, like Allen Robinson. Tariq Cohen had a touchdown, but didn't have very many touches in this game. Still not somebody who I want to play. And would avoid it at all costs. And while you probably have to roster him in PPR leagues, 
I don't think you have to roster him in standard leagues. And even half-point leagues, it's kind of borderline. He's a guy who's strictly just a desperate flyer play in my book at this point. Volume's not there. He's not involved enough. David Montgomery, 21 carries in this game, only 53 yards. Not totally unexpected. Minnesota Vikings are not as tough of a team as the Bears have run on, but pretty close, where you're not going to find a lot of success no matter who your running back is when they have to play the Vikings. Outside of Allen Robinson, I don't think there's a pass catcher worth having for the Chicago Bears. And it's pretty much, to me, it's Robinson, David Montgomery. Outside of that, I don't know how many Bears players I really want to own. And things will get better for Montgomery as long as he continues to get this kind of volume, and he, and he will. And things will get better and he'll have better matchups. So I'm not worried about that there either. The last game that we're going to talk about on this podcast is the Jaguars and the Broncos. Jaguars coming up with a big win. Everyone's calling it the Minshew Magic, whatever. I, I am not an underdog person. You're not going to get that from me. So while everyone's rooting around for Gardner Minshew because they're loving the underdog, he's the rookie backup quarterback who's got spunk and all these weird quirks. I don't, I'm not the type of person. I don't care about that. I, I don't. I care about your fantasy production. Gardner Minshew is still not a streaming quarterback. While he had two passing touchdowns in this game, only 213 yards. He hasn't eclipsed 240 yards at any point this season. I'm not Gardner Minshew is still not a streamer as far as fantasy goes. But he is able to keep other guys' fantasy relevant. DJ Chark, while he only had four catches for 44 yards on eight targets in this game, he had he was targeted in the red zone once, and another time he did score a touchdown, but it got called back because of offensive holding penalty. So he could have had a touchdown in this game. This was a tough matchup here going against Denver Broncos, going up against Chris Harris. D.D. Westbrook wound up being the lead receiver of the day. Five catches, 66 yards. But D.J. Chark was still the number one targeted guy. A big guy, of course, to talk about on the Jaguars was Leonard Fournette. 29 carries. 225 rushing yards. Broke a couple big ones. Had an 80... Didn't get a touchdown. This is the amazing part. Rushed 225 yards. Didn't get a touchdown. Had an 81-yard rush in this game, didn't score on that 81 yards because they were 90 yards back. I I just I would like to see the running backs who have rushed over 200 yards. I want to know if any of them actually did that without scoring. I, I don't know if that's possible. But this was big. If you're a Leonard Fournette owner, to see them finally be able to get the ball to him, to lean on the run, and for Leonard Fournette to come out big and produce this way really has to you know give you confidence moving forward. He still hasn't scored a touchdown. But he has been getting all this volume. It was no different than this one. 31 total touches because he ha- also had two catches for 20 yards in this game. 31 total touches. He's getting the craziest, outside of Christian McCaffrey, the craziest sh- workload share of any running back. And in this one, it finally the opportunity is finally produced. Now, a couple of things here. Denver Broncos are a team that you can run on. That's number one. Number two, Robinson, offensive lineman, is back. And that played a huge difference in Jacksonville's ability to be able to run block. So that was a big reason why Leonard Fournette found a few more holes. Now, there was a couple times where he was stuffed and he made something out of nothing, which is something that he does because he's very good. And he had a couple big runs, which a lot of people try to knock him to not be able to do. He can do them. You saw it today, a couple times. But for Leonard Fournette, to have Robinson back gives them hope that they can be able to run the football on a more consistent basis when they play teams, even when it's not against teams like the Denver Broncos who are going to be susceptible to the run against most of their opponents this season. 
Now, on the flip side of the ball, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco actually had a decent fantasy day. Not that you would have streamed him, but against the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's saying something. 300 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Manuel Sanders had five catches for 104 yards on nine targets. Cortland Sutton had six catches for 62 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. Now, the big thing to take away is that Jalen Ramsey did not play. And because the Jaguars run a zone coverage, Aboye does not follow anyone. I mean, this was the big reason why Jalen Ramsey was upset and wants to be off the team in the first place is because they don't think they utilize him correctly because they don't let him shadow, shadow, uh, excuse me, shadow and play up and be, do what he does best, which is play man. They don't do that. They play zone. So Jalen Ramsey, his vacancy on the field was what was targeted the most. And that's why Emmanuel Sanders was able to eat. Cortland Sutton was able to eat. Something to watch. If Jalen Ramsey continues out to play, they have Carolina next week. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel may be guys that you can still play with confidence to be able to produce if Jalen Ramsey does not play. Now, if Jalen Ramsey does play, it becomes a whole different situation because then it doesn't matter because you have Ramsey on one side and Bouye on the other and you're screwed. But if Ramsey doesn't play, and I do think he's going to find reasons to continue not playing until he gets traded because it does seem clear-cut that he doesn't care they won. He doesn't care that, they had, that they've won two in a row now. He doesn't care the owner wants to make him the highest-paid corner in the NFL. He does seem like he is genuinely done with the Jacksonville Jaguar organization and wants out. That's what, to me, this week was all about with him and the weirdness going on with him not reporting at first and then saying he's injured and all that and then not wanting to play. He wants out. So we'll have to see if Ramsey does play for the Carolina matchup, but receivers were able to eat in this game. And it also gives you confidence moving forward with Sanders and Cortland Sutton. If Flacco can play better, even in a tough matchup at home, that these two receivers can both be fantasy relevant at the same time. As far as the running game goes, Philip Lindsay was much better than Royce Freeman in this one. Nine carries for 53 yards, while Royce Freeman had six carries for 16 yards. Royce Freeman was more involved in the passing game, though. Go figure, right? Six targets, four catches, 34 yards, while Phil Lindsay only had one target, one catch, seven yards. That has to change. Look, I get that the Broncos think that they have two very talented backs and they want to do a 50-50 split. Fine, whatever. 50-50 split as far as the carries go. Royce Freeman is not nearly the playmaker nor the pass catcher of Philip Lindsay. Now, I do get in certain situations... You want him in because of the pass protection, because just being a bigger guy, he can take on bigger, more physical linebackers that are blitzing. I get that part of it. But if you're in a situation, which they were at the end of the game, in which you need every playmaker out there available to you to be able to catch the ball and make something happen, Philip Lindsay's got to be out there. Philip Lindsay's got to be the main pass catcher. He's not bad in pass protection. He's just small, so sometimes he gets run over. But he knows where to go. He's going to get in the way. But he's got to be out there because he's the one who can actually make something happen in space. Royce Freeman does not have that ability. Doesn't. So we'll see what happens as we move forward. But right now, it still looks like they're helping on this 50-50 split. But Philip Lindsay has been the better player so far. That pretty much wraps it all up. Nobody else will really talk about in those games. So that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. That was the Sunday afternoon recap games. Remember, tomorrow we will be back with the Sunday night recap, the Monday night football recap, and, of course, the almighty waiver wire report in the podcast. I will be out later tomorrow night on Sportscaster with the waiver wire report video that you can go ahead and check out there as well. Uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for all the player news, update notifications. You can also... 
contact me there. If you have any fantasy questions for me, I'll be more than happy to help you guys out. Same thing goes for contacting me on Facebook at MDFF show. And, and of course on the website where I'll have the rankings and you can email me directly there too. And I, of course I have all the episodes on there. MDFF show.com. Make sure you listen to this podcast on radio public, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, any one of your favorite podcast apps. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.